This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or a cross of coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to break down uh, the end of times for you and have all the answers. We even know when Jesus is coming back. Oh, no, no. Down to the minute. No. Just kidding. Just kidding. We, nobody knows the day or the hour. As Jesus plainly said, it's up for the Father. Uh, but in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 13, uh, Jesus is going to uh, talk about, because the, the disciples are in awe about the temple and its majestic building and the stones. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. So they're in awe of this thing, and, and Jesus says, hey, this building's going to be destroyed. There's not going to be one stone. As big as those stones are, they're not going to be left. There's not going to be one stone left on top of the other. Uh, and so they want to know when is this going to happen. And so Jesus is going to go into some detail about when it's going to happen. But like you and I were discussing before we started rolling, uh, that um, I said that he's talking about the destruction of the temple. Then he kind of flips the coin and goes into some end time stuff. And so uh, we can throw our input in that. But if you want to introduce before you pray, okay, uh, our guest today. Yes, this is my. These are my friends, Mike Reppy and Dara Reppy. Dara has elected to be off camera, as Shelby Gentry has also elected to be off camera. But um, they they did agree to read some of the words. So yeah, we appreciate the input. Absolutely. Feel free to comment. <laughs> as you feel so inspired alright so if you will just pray and then we'll okay. get to going alright Lord we thank you thank you for your word thank you that we get to uh, chew on this and that we get to discuss <clears throat> what, it, what it means how to apply it to our lives let it not be knowledge that puffs up but let it be rhema understanding that we have and and give us wisdom to be able to apply it to our lives we ask for wisdom revelation knowledge and understanding discernment we want to know you more intimately so lord um, fill this place this evening and lead us guide us into all truth we ask for it in jesus mighty name amen so i had to stop are your friend you remember when we, so last week we visited Cades Cove and drove around and we was visiting the old churches in Cades mm-hmm. Cove, right? Do you remember the song that was on the, the, the song book was up to do? Yeah. Jesus is coming soon. It's talking about what we're talking about today. Right. Right. So, pretty cool. All right, Shelby. Verses one through four, and we'll discuss a little bit about the temple. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher. What massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you all, do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? All right, so I looked up uh, a website about the temple. And when Jesus, he, he talks about these impressive stone walls. Like, 
you, you've seen the people in Jerusalem, right? They're, they're bobbing their head at the Wailing Wall. Mm -hmm. we'll the that is, uh, I'm not sure if it's southeast, west, or whatever, north, but it's it's the uh, it's what's left of the of a foundation or the wall that surrounded the temple. I think. Yeah, the outer wall. Yeah, the outer wall. And it's even that part is is huge, but just as Jesus said about the temple, there's not. It's it's just a pile of rubble. There's not one stone left on top of the other. And and so I, I was digging into how big these the temple was because it was ginormous. It was ginormous when Solomon built it, when it was destroyed and they rebuilt it. Um, and when, where Jesus was standing was about eight to a quarter mile away when they're looking at this and they're saying, and, and they're in awe. Yeah, people that are from that time are in awe of what they're looking at a quarter mile away. Right, it's crazy. I mean, when we start talking about these details of the temple, and the construction that they would have had to use back then because they didn't have the bobcats and and the the um oh whatchamacallit the excavators yeah the excavators oh, like yeah crane, crane yeah definitely cranes they have all that kind of jazz so it, it, it's a it's amazing but um so anyway this website says that the dimensions of the temple of jerusalem were staggered 460 meters now a a, a meter to feet there's a little over three it's like 3.2 feet per meter all right, so to give you an idea how big these stones are, uh, but 400, the, the thing was 460 meters long, so that's what, about 1,300 feet-ish. Uh, to the east, 315 meters to the north, 280 meters to the south, and the western wall was 485 meters long. So it is huge, Massive. huge. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the walls above the ground rose 30 meters tall so over what 90 feet tall 100 feet tall that's 10 stories 10 stories tall mm. their foundations were as deep as 20 meters in some places in order to reach bedrock each layer of the wall was recessed about th three centimeters from the, the layer beneath it this was to avoid the optical illusion that created uh, whenever you look up at a tall straight object it looks like it's about to fall over on you so they had the in ingenuity to even counteract that kind of optical illusion <clears throat> some now this is what's cool some of the quarry stones used in the western wall are so large that to this day archaeologists have trouble understanding how they could possibly have been transported the smallest stones weighed between two and five tons two and five tons and the largest stone that was used to build the temple and it says probably the largest building stone in antiquity it's 13.6 meters long. So that's what? 13 times 3 is what? 9, 39? Yeah, 40, 40, 40 feet, feet long. long. And then 4.6 meters, so about 13 feet thick. And 3.3 meters high, which would be about 10 feet. So I've got a note here that says, according to Josephus, they were white. And some of them were 37 feet long, 12 feet high, and 18 feet wide. Think about a semi-trailer, a 55-foot trailer. Right. Thicker than that, almost as long as that, and that's one solid stone. rock. Yeah, one stone. It's crazy. This, this says that one stone was estimated to weigh five hundred and seventy tons. How could they move that? How could they lift that? With a whole lot of elephants. Uh, a whole lot of something. Camels. <laughs> I don't know. Man, that's huge. Uh, but the builders used dry construction, and there's no cement between the stones. That's what I was telling you mm -hmm. earlier. Uh, they just stacked stone on top of stone 
In fact, there's nothing holding the stones together except their own weight. So that kind of just gives you a picture. You, and you can Google, you know, all kinds of stuff about the temple. But it was a beautiful building. It's full of gold, silver, uh, a lot of cedar. Um, just beautiful, beautiful building. And no wonder I mean, how impressive it would have been back there, back then. They've never seen anything like, well, I mean, the Romans built those temples to pagan gods. They were pretty impressive, especially their... their Mm -hmm. arches and, and the carvings and stuff that they did um, but it wasn't anything like the God's temple right, right. but for the Jews the, the temple was, was a, a sacred place because if you go back to the it started with the tabernacle which was when you know they, they had to wander around the wilderness for 40 years because Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of the 10 or 12, the 12 spies right. that said let's go take it the land the promised land God's given us this land no, we're grasshoppers in their sight. So uh, they believed the report of the 10, right? And so God made them wander around for 40 years in the wilderness. So over and over again, they had to pass by the promised land and say, oh, we, we should be there. So while they're wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, God says to Moses, build this tabernacle, right? And so it, it, and, there's and then, a pattern. Yeah. yeah, and this is like a very soft overview of the tabernacle. Um, and you can find this in Exodus 26. Six ish, right in right in those chapters, um, all this together. But he command he gives us specific directions on what to use mm -hmm. in building materials right. and how to build the, the length and all this kind of stuff. And then he tells them to build a, an ark, right? The ark of the covenant. Mm -hmm. And then they put uh, manna inside the ark and Aaron's rod that budded mm -hmm. and, and the, the tablets, the, the, the two ten the, the ten commandments. But the ark. With the mercy seat on top was the presence of God. That's what that represented. God said, don't touch the ark, remember? And that's where, yeah, right, the fire would appear right over top of that. Right, right. So when the tabernacle, and the tabernacle is a tent. And, and the reason why I brought them brought it out about them wandering around the wilderness is because the tent, they could, they could pitch the tent, they could set it up, right? Set up the tabernacle. You had uh, um, the altar, the brazen labor, the holy place where the candles were, uh, the table of uh, showbread, the, the altar of incense, the priests could worship and all that stuff. And they could, then you had the curtain, the holiest of holies, was where they could only go in once a year right. for the Day of Atonement, make the sacrifice, you know, sacrifices and sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat for the sins of Israel. But um, uh, the holy place, the holiest of holies, is where that Ark of the Covenant was, and that's where God resided. Well. When they got all this done, and they could take it apart, and, mm -hmm. and you know, when they were wandering around, they would pitch it back up. I know. Time to pack it up again, y'all. <laughs> I couldn't can, can imagine. <laughs> but it, when, when the tabernacle was complete, in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, you remember what happens? God's presence fills right. it right. with the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. They could visibly so, see right. God in the cloud, right? And he fills the tabernacle. All right. Fast forward many years. David, he's tired of you know the tabernacle thing, and he wants a permanent dwelling place for God. Which oh, that sounds sweet and nice. We want to make a permanent dwelling place for God. We want God to be with His people in Jerusalem, right? And God says, "Nope, you can't build it because you shed blood." And so He says, "Your son Solomon can build it." And like I said, this is oversimplified. And so Solomon's going to build a permanent dwelling place for God, which was the temple. Uh, let's see, did I? 
don't think I put that. Oh, okay. In 1 Kings chapter 8, well, 1 Kings chapter 6, Solomon gets to build it. In 1 Kings chapter 8, the same thing happened at the temple that happened at the tabernacle when it was completed. The glory of the Lord filled the, the temple. So that the priest could not even stand in it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so fast forward, because that temple is destroyed, all right, the, because the rebellion of Israel, their sins in Second Chronicles chapter 36, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonian king, comes in and destroys it. Right. I mean, takes them out, wipes it out, takes the people back exile. Uh, to exile, Babylonian captivity. It's rebuilt. That's Ezra, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, all right. Uh, and so the temple that uh, Herod the Great built or remodeled, however you want to put that, all that, was what they're looking at, and it's still it's. Even in its restructuring, it's still a beautiful, beautiful building, right? Uh, the church, when it first met in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost, there's about 3,000 people baptized out to the church that day. Um, it says in Acts 2.46 that they worship together at the temple each day. Mm -hmm. So even, even for the early church, this was an important place. And, and I just thought about this, but um, is it Acts chapter 4? Where is it where they, they met the guy at the, at the temple daily, the gate called Beautiful? And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but such I have. I, give, I think it's Acts 4 um, where that happens. But they were going there. At the time of prayer. At the time of prayer. And, and they, that they was, met there on a regular basis? Yes, and that happened three times a day, 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and 3 o'clock by our time. Um, and so... They, the my point is the temple was even with the early church it was still important mm -hmm. and if you think about it if you've been taught something all your life like Judaism and these sacrifices these holy days as a Jew that, it would be really hard just to get that out of your system and so they they would still continue to come to, to the temple to pray even though they didn't have to but it's something they've done their whole life and, they, and even after the church began, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They still came to the temple mm -hmm. uh, to pray. Was I right? Was it Acts, Acts 4? three? Acts three. Oh, one too many. That was close. It's all right. Yeah. <clears throat> but in AD seventy, right? Uh, just like Jesus said it was going to happen, AD seventy, the Romans um, destroyed the temple. It, and you can Google firsthand accounts of what happened, and it's pretty brutal. I've shared it in a podcast. I don't know which number it is, but it was a long time ago. Uh, but Google it and read about it if you want. Um, obviously, as we've been looking through the, the Gospels, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and these religious leaders, they, they regarded the temple as holy. Um, but God was not there anymore. The, the Ark of the Covenant, I believe it disappeared when uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in, right? I don't think it was ever found since then. But they continued to act as though it was there. They continued to make their sacrifices. Mm -hmm. um, but even today, like, people... I don't want to word this. They act like church buildings are, are, are the sacred place. Mm -hmm. Like they're holy. Yeah. I, I was telling y'all, and I've, I've shared this in a podcast before I grew up, but um, the church I was at one time when I was a teenager was having just, you know, this, like I'm doing right now, was having a little powwow, and I just put my foot up on the pew. This is before we had 
seats in the church. It was with pews, the wooden pews. <laughs> and I put my foot up on the pew, and, and I was doing like this right here, and he just like just smacked me, and just about pushed me down over the floor. And I was like, whoa, whoa. I was like freaking out, and he's like, brother, please. And I was like, why? What did I do? What did I do it's so bad? I'm just sitting here having a conversation. I thought I said something wrong. You know, I was going to hell or something. And uh, um, he said, have respect for the Lord's furniture. And I was like, this? A pew? And he's like, he's like, that belongs to the Lord. I was like, that's a piece of wood. Isn't that kind of like how you were saying, you know, for the people of Israel, they would make, you know, this place that they come to again and again, you know, part of who they were, their identity, kind of like some of the churches I've experienced where they've done it a certain way their whole, whole life. You know, their Sundays, their Wednesdays, their gatherings. If you, you know, deviate to the left or right of what's being done, then you might get castigated for that, kind of like the knock on your arm. And didn't Christ talk about, like, where he was and where we are is where the church is? Mm -hmm. Having not a whole lot to do with the building that we're currently residing in or preaching in or evangelizing in? Yeah. Like the church is as much right here, right at this table, as it is in the buildings that we might have worshipped in this morning. Right. Where two or more gather. I'm ah, supposed to say the same thing. The hands and the feet of Christ. Yeah. And there I'm in the midst. Right. <clears throat> yeah. You're right. So well, much is just culturally so passed like on. Even where these words are going, where they're being broadcasted to, where they're being listened to, mm -hmm. isn't that the hands, the feet, the presence of mm -hmm. Christ? We have a song for that. Tradition! <laughs> From Fiddler on the Roof. That was a few episodes ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you want to say something? No, just that, you know, like you said, it was, it was the religious place um, of, of concern, but it was also a cultural center, you know. Um, and, and it is hard to get rid of some of those behaviors or our um, you know, traditions for lack of a better word the things that we we often cling to as um, you know just touch points for our faith you know um, I, don't, I don't know how many of you guys do this do you close your eyes when you pray sometimes is there anything in the word that tells us to do that no, no. Right? I mean, do you, do you bow your head? I mean, do I need to be closing my eyes when I'm driving and praying? Because no. <laughs> no way. Do not recommend that. No. Uh, right. But, I mean, but there are things that we do out of habit or out of our culture that aren't necessarily biblically founded. You know, and and I think the Jews were in in that space. You know, mm -hmm. this is this is what we're used to. This is part of our culture. And this is part of our faith. Um, well, they've had this for this Judaism for thousands of years. They're used to making sacrifices. They're used to saying these sets of prayers at this certain time and these holy days at these certain days. And it, it, it's hard to let go of that kind of stuff. I, I remember being in a mission trip in India and just being, as an American, just like seeing and smelling and hearing things that I'd never heard before. And then all of a sudden, a call to prayer came out over the entire city and what all the hustle and the bustle just came to a complete stop and a silence came uh -huh. over. And I found that, I mean, it was I was awestruck by it because I'd never experienced that type of thing. You know, and I, I would imagine, as we Americans see at the table, that right now in the middle of the epicenter in Israel with all the conflict that's going on, 
I'd have to think that years and hundreds of years and thousands of years of doing things a certain way are at extreme conflict right now. You know, I, I maybe conflict that we as Americans don't see or feel a whole lot. Yeah, we and that's what I was saying in my sermon this morning. Trying to understand this stuff from a 2024 Western perspective is very difficult. Very, very difficult. Um, and so thinking about what y'all what are saying, these traditions and things like that, and being used to doing something for thousands of years. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, Paul says, Don't you realize that your body is... Yeah, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price because Jesus paid the price for our sins, right? He died on the cross for our sins. So you must honor God with your body. But it, it, they were so used to having God's presence, even though God's presence has been gone for a long time because the Ark of the Covenant, was it was gone. When, when Nebuchadnezzar came in and destroyed the temple, it's gone. And that represented God's presence. But they continued to do that, all those sacrifices and all that, all that stuff anyway. Uh, but in John 14, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I, I got to leave. And it's necessary that I leave. But when I go back to my father, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you a guy who's going to guide you into all truth. But he says something in particular in John 14. He says, me and my father will dwell in you. And that word Shaka. What is it? Shaka. I think of Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan. Well, you know, just, can you say that while you're at it? Shaka Khan. Shaka Okay. Okay. Sorry. This happens a lot. It just, <laughs> it just totally throws that thing off. Lots of songs. Yeah, lots of songs. Um, but I'm just thinking about how in, in the Old Testament and the tabernacle and the temple and the Ark of the Covenant being there in God's presence, and they, they could physically see that like when the cloud comes down. But now the Holy Spirit, well, in, after Acts chapter 2 when the church began, God dwells inside of us by the power of his Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, me and my Father will live inside of you. And that's kind of heavy if you think about it because when we're, where, where do we take Jesus? Kind of heavy. Real heavy. Yeah. I mean, that's the same. The priest's feet touched the River Jordan, and the river stops. And and they were carrying what? They were carrying the Ark of the, the Covenant. Mm -hmm. And now the dwelling place is us. us. Right. The tabernacle I mean, of our God is with men, right, in Revelation. How many people do I know? How, how many years of my life did I, did I not walk in the understanding of God's, you know, glory and power and majesty and grace and mercy mm -hmm. and forgiveness? You know, like they dwell in me. Mm -hmm. Well, they yeah, we're all guilty. Me. Not just you. Yeah, we're all guilty of it. It's a, it's a, it is heavy. You're right. It's super heavy and when you think about it. And many people listening, and many people, many people will, when I go to work tonight that I will interact with, they don't know this yet. Mm -hmm. And many places of this podcast, I mean, maybe they don't know that yet. I mean, that we're the tabernacle now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even for the people who do know it, where do we take Jesus? Mm. Sometimes. Where are we, where are we uh, uh, taking God? Where aren't we taking him? Yeah. Hopefully we're taking him to good places. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, like, wherever you are, you're taking him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly, which is the point I'm trying to make in a poor way.
Do me a favor, go and check out some awesome worship music that's written and sung by my beautiful wife, Mary Tucker, and you can check that out at marygamboamusic.com. Mary is the worship leader at Authentic Church at 322 Lindsay Street in Alcoa, Tennessee. Now you can check us out and come worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m., and we'd love to have you there. Also, you can download Mary's songs wherever you stream your music. If you would like to book Mary for your next event, contact her through the website at marygamboamusic.com or you can text her at area code 865-418-2824. We look forward to worshiping with you soon. Now, back to the podcast. All right, so let's, um, anything else you guys want to add? So what we're going to do is uh, switch gears just a little bit because the disciples asked Jesus, or before the disciples asked Jesus, when is this going to take place? And so he's going to give an answer. And so I think Dara's going to read, starting in verse 5, and we'll probably break in somewhere. But we're just going to go through these verses. And if you see something that you want to discuss, a point you want to make, interrupt and make it. Because we're just going to run through the rest of the chapter. Uh, Jesus told them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, don't be alarmed. These things must take place, but it is not yet the end. We hear these all the time. And we, we even today, we still hear people claiming to be the Messiah. Uh, 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 David Koresh, was that in the 90s? In Waco, Texas, yeah. David Koresh. He had the compound. Do you remember? Do you I remember? remember. I mean, I'm just watching the whole miniseries. On yeah, but he had a whole big following. I'm like, oh, man, why do people think this guy's Jesus? But, you know, Jim Jones. Right. And the Kool-Aid, don't drink the Kool-Aid. I mean, it's Christ saying, they will deceive many. Yeah, and it, it, it was happening back then, and it's, here we are 2,000 years removed, and it's still happening. Right. Like, don't be Two alone. verses in before we interrupt you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and they're, like you just, you just brought up, Israel's in a war right now. It, I mean, have they ever not been? Yeah, exactly. And so it, it, all this is it's still going on. So... The reason why I'm saying all this is because Jesus says stuff that's happening right now and stuff that will happen that's going on as he's speaking and it's still happening 2,000 years later. All right, go ahead. Sorry. Leads right into verse 8. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Mm -hmm. I have wondered even throughout my short lifetime, <laughs> how many times in history have people looked at what's going on in the earth, in the culture, and gone, surely it's now. I mean, you gotta think World War One, World War Two, you know, Vietnam, Korea, whatever these wars that have encompassed so much of the globe, how many times have they looked at those things and gone, see, right? Nation against nation, nation, kingdom against kingdom. It must be coming now, right? I know even in the last 20 years that I've been walking with the Lord, there have been several times I'm like, oh, help me. It's coming now, you know? And there was a time I, I didn't want to have children because I wasn't sure if it was going to come while they were babies or toddlers, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, Jesus but, gives that warning to the mothers. Right. Is it coming? <clears throat> but <laughs> it's going to happen for somebody. Look, I love my mom. My mom, God bless her. You know, she came to visit us last weekend. And I was surprised she didn't talk about this while we had her in Kate's Cove in the car. But it's always if there's an earthquake, 
Oh, it's a sign of the end times. Every earthquake, you know, or the weather's crazy. The weather's crazy. You know, it, it, so that's some, we've had many discussions with mom mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. the weather and about earthquakes. <laughs> you know, this has been going on for a long, long time. But at the very end of the chapter, it still says be alert. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Don't be alarmed. Be alert. Watch and pray, right? Keep going. But you, be on your guard. They will hand you over to local courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues. You will stand before governors and kings because of me, as a witness to them. Hold and, up, hold up. Flogged oh, in the synagogues? What, what is, I mean, do we really know what being flogged is like? No. Let's talk about this this morning in my sermon. Well, what's being flogged like? What's the closest that you've come to being flogged? I've hardly ever been hit for, I mean, like, football being hit hard. Yeah. That didn't hurt. I've never been hit with a bell. I've been being flogged. That's a whole different story. My footnote says, infraction of Jewish regulations was punishable by flogging. The maximum penalty being 39 strokes with a whip. Well, why, why, you know, why, you know not why not 40? Because after 39, you, a lot of people died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but there's another reason. After that, they were, they, they were, they stopped at 39 to make sure they didn't go over 40 because over 40 would be a sin. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to so stay just far enough that, away that, from this to not be but, sinful. They, but, but the wear of the flogging, too. Right. Oh, but you're body. right. They did. They, I mean. They... Right. Can any of us imagine, like, being in a church service and somebody being brought in to be flogged because they have messed up because they blatantly sinned? I mean, there are parts of the world that can relate to this much more than I can. But I, I get, like, like, I don't know. Like, there's this feeling I get when something's about ready to you know, like when I see something physical about ready to be happening to somebody, I, I, I can almost break free, feel it. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm an American, but I can't imagine a culture where in the middle of a synagogue, you know, you're going to get beaten 39 times. Mm -hmm. But there are parts of the world that that's a regularity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to imagine. But we see this happen to the disciples uh, right after the church began in Acts chapter 2. When... I think I think that is Acts chapter four is when they get called before the Sanhedrin, mm -hmm. and they're told not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, what do they do? They go right back to the temple and they start speaking in the name of Jesus. They're brought back to the Sanhedrin and they're beaten. Give me that kind of resolution. Yeah. That's all. Right. Yeah. Give me that kind of boldness. Because right. I'm afraid somebody's going to talk about me if I mention Jesus in the grocery store. Well, right. standing before kings and governors. Which they as a witness to them, yeah. as a witness to Christ, standing in front of kings and governors. Right. So your town meetings, your town hall, your governor, mm -hmm. you know, your mayor, and you say something against the grain, you get flogged. I mean, I can't even imagine saying something political against the grain right now. Not not yet alone, just saying that for Christ. Right. Good point. Okay. Good <laughs> What verse are we in? We are on uh, ten. And it is necessary that the gospel be preached to all nations. So when they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand what you will say, but say whatever is given to you at that time, for it isn't you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. You know, that still goes on today. In, in, in um, the Muslim countries, when they become a Christian, they're ostracized or killed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, their own family chases mm -hmm. them around, hunts them down, and 
killed him. I mean, in our last month here in this town, we had a police officer shot at a normal traffic arrest. For what? I mean, for what reason? I mean, that, that's hard to stomach. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's hard to think through that brother will, my son so-and-so would betray my son so-and-so. I have two sons. That's hard to think about. Mm -hmm. Or that, you know, father has child and children rise up against parents that, and put them to death. That's crazy. Yeah. Not just put in jail, not just slapped with a fine or a ticket, but right. Kill them. And everyone will hate you because of me. The one who stands firm to the end will be saved. I was just listening to a, a message from Francis Chan, and he's talking about being in India and believers in general. And so many of them are, they have given up homes. They have given up family members. They have, they have been kicked out of their businesses because they have accepted Christ. And Francis Chan was like, well, surely there are some people here who casually believe in God. And the person he was talking to was like, uh, no, we don't have that here. <laughs> we don't have people who casually believe in God. Unfortunately, we are in a culture where there are lots of people in, in America that casually have a belief about God. Or, yeah, I was raised in church, but I don't go. And, you know, I have some basic Christian morals or values, but I'm not really into all that. Right. You know. I, I, I remember... You know, feeling like I was in the middle of like my strong, you know, death of my Christianity. And a truck driver showed up where I was working in Florida at the time. And he, he was a Messianic Jewish truck driver. Mm -hmm. That thoroughly blew me away one day. We, we were talking for, at length for two hours. And he was, he was asking me thing after thing after thing about my lack of understanding about his previous Judeo, you know, uh, Jewish beliefs. Mm -hmm. And he was a Messianic, a, a Christ-believing Jew. Mm -hmm. And I realized after this conversation how little I know mm -hmm. about my Lord, how little I know about my own faith and, and where my Lord's faith comes from mm -hmm. or, you know, my Lord's walk comes from. And that was humbling. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, you know, even though we're gathered around a table here in America, I, I sit here humbled, but also profoundly, like, inspired by verse 11 here so when they arrest you and hand you over don't worry beforehand what you might say mm -hmm. but say whatever is given to you at that time For example, by that thing that christ said i will go and i will give to you mm -hmm. i think the word was paraclete i might be might be messing yeah, that helper. word yeah. yeah the helper the holy spirit the holy ghost mm -hmm. thank you for that mm -hmm. like that, that the words will be given to us, the ins inspiration, the, the covering, the power of, of the Holy Spirit will be given to us at the hardest times because, that, you know, everything prior to that, the, first, the you know, verse 9 and verse 10 are hard, hard times. Right. That I don't even know how to deal with, that I've never had to deal with, that some maybe even listening to this podcast have dealt with. Mm -hmm. But brothers and sisters, trust that the Holy Spirit is giving you words even right now to deal with it. Come on. Even right now. This is... This is yet to come, but it's also happening. It's yet to come, but it's also happening. Yeah. The precursors are happening. Where did Where'd you get to? Where did I get to? 12. I read 12. Ah, uh, you read it, but yeah. Okay. I didn't finish the 13, but you will be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, my version has let the reader understand, mm -hmm. then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. 
A man on the housetop must not come down or go in to get anything out of his house, and a man in the field must not go back to get his coat. Woe to pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Pray it won't happen in winter, for those will be the days of tribulation, the kind that hasn't been from the beginning of creation which God created, until now and never will be again. If the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would be saved. <clears throat> but he cut these those days short for the sake of the elect whom he chose. And if you if you Googled the the like I was talking about a while ago, the first hand accounts of the temple being destroyed, the blood that was shed is it was bad. It, it, it's really, really bad. So I, I just couldn't imagine um, when Jesus says back up in verse 12, 13, but the one who endures, 13, but the one who endures to the end will, will be saved. It's easy for us to sit at this table and, and say, yeah, well, I'll endure. But it's different when you're, you know, your life being threatened or you're having to watch your loved one being persecuted, you know. And they're, and they're saying, well, if you just denounce your faith, we'll let them go. That'd be, that'd be difficult, man. It'd be very, very hard. And nobody wants to be hated. I mean, you look at our culture today. We, we, want, people, we want to be accepted. We want people to like us. And we want people to, to, to love, love us. I'm not jumping them down saying, hate me, hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I mean what, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, what's it full of? <laughs> Selfies. You know, because we love ourselves. Then if anyone tells you, see, here is the Messiah, see there, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and will perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. And you must watch. I have told you everything in advance. Come on, that's some of the scariest language right there. Right, the false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders. Oh, our church has been going through the book of Revelation, so we've been talking about that very thing, um, those those false signs and wonders and miracles that will be done. And to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Well, who's the elect? The, ones watching the, the church. Elect. Yeah, the church. The believers. But like I said this morning in the sermon, Paul says that Satan can appear as an angel of light. Right. But there are many, That's how there are so many that, that will be deceived. God give us wisdom so that we can discern light from dark and that we're not mm -hmm. amongst those who are deceived. Verse 20 says, if the Lord had not cut those days short, no one would be saved. But he cut those days short for the sake of the elect whom he chose. Thank God for that. Mm -hmm. and, and by this language, nothing in my lifetime has been given the description of what I just read. Because I've seen everything in my lifetime I've seen. Mm -hmm. And you've seen, and we've all seen. But what is being said here is that you, none of us would survive whatever war, whatever famine, whatever thing is going on if he didn't cut that time short. Mm -hmm. So, being alert, being awake, awakened, being uh, being in, in a place of understanding that the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, 
is at the table with us, is present with us in our quiet spaces, our um, quiet time, our public time, our hardest times, our best mm -hmm. times. Um, these are not, we're not talking about times that are going to be the best of our time for here, but he cuts those times short. Mm -hmm. Be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. So what would it look like? Um, what would it look like signs and wonders to lead the elect astray? Well, I mean, let's just open it up. What, what things would blow our minds? Like a blind woman seeing again? Um, uh, somebody that had been raised? Yeah. I mean, these are the th what can we imagine that, could, that we would think the elect, that, that could only be God? Mm -hmm. and, and then it's not God. I mean, demons and, and, manifesting and being cast out? Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, limbs growing out that, that weren't there to begin with. We've all, I mean, deformities that were instantly healed. Reading slowly through the book of Acts, reading slowly through the book of Job. I mean, unimaginable things I'm reading about that need to be imagined. Because if I don't understand that some of the, like, I remember being in the middle of India and, it, you know, a, a lot of, beautiful people came forward and all of a sudden my eyes are seeing two Hindu women writhing on the ground like a snake and my eyes had never seen that before. Mm -hmm. I, I, I now have seen something that I've read about in the book of Acts and it was interesting. I would not have known how to deal with that at the time, mm -hmm. but the Hindu Indian women did know how to deal with that and they moved it out of the middle of what was at the time, 2000 people that came forward to hear, um, a wonderful gospel message and they responded to it and then there was two women writhing on the ground like a snake i mean i saw it with my own eyes it was, it was unbelievable but now very believable mm -hmm. right all right there's gonna gonna be some crazy things that we will witness in those days and i think we even need to be prepared for what are we hearing about seeing within the culture that we maybe can't imagine even right now. That's getting crazy. Mm -hmm. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed its light. The stars will be falling from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. He will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, right, from so, the ends go ahead. of the earth to the ends of heaven. So in verse 26, so everybody see the Son of Man coming in the clouds. What did the angels say? When Jesus is ascending back into heaven? Mm -hmm. He's, you're going to see him coming back the same way you see mm -hmm. him go. Well, here's confirmation of that. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And he's going to send out his angels together, his chosen ones from all over the world. So that's the harvest, right? So that's what I, the, those scriptures is what I think of. And um, it is well. And Lord haste the day. Mm -hmm. When yeah. my face shall be sight, and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump will resound, the Lord shall descend, even so it is well with my soul. But on days when it's nasty outside, there's tons of clouds, it's really stormy, you know, I look at the skies and go, Lord, is it today? Is that what it's going to look like when you come back? You know, because at, at times you can see that cloud cover, and then places where it parts, and the sun shines through, and I'm like, Lord, see, it goes back to what Mike said a while ago. You, you, the reason why you're thinking that is because you're alert. You're ready. You're watching. But think of the people that's not. It's millions and millions of people 
and around this globe that just don't think like that. They don't think anything about it. And Jesus is coming back soon. We don't know when. It can happen right now. It can happen in the next five minutes. It could happen 500 years from now. So our job is to proclaim the gospel. Yes. Tell other people. Which is why we do this podcast. Mm. Well, here in verse 32 coming up, one of the warnings against what we don't do. Okay, let's keep right. going. Okay. <laughs> Parable of the fake tree. Learn this lesson from, from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things, have to, all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. If you couple that with Second Peter, I think it's chapter 2, Peter backs that up. Uh, heaven and earth, this stuff's gonna burn up. It's gone. Mm -hmm. It's temporary. It's been new heaven and new earth. Which is kind of wild because I, I think of heaven as the place that we're we will be eternally. That it's not a temporary thing. You know that that's where we're gonna spend eternity. It'd be interesting to look at like the original language there, but yeah. That there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, as opposed to the current heaven and the current earth. Well, mm -hmm. the tribulation that's being talked about up above there mm -hmm. um, has never been seen before since the creation of the earth. Which means that no earthquake, no hurricane, no, no natural disaster, natural right? disaster, no um, massive war, no. I mean, nothing that we've experienced is going to be like that time. Which is why. Much of what we know today might not even be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want to witness that. <laughs> now concerning that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. It is like a man on a journey who left his house, gave authority to his servants, gave each one his work, and commanded the doorkeeper to be alert. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know when the master of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight, or at the crowing of the rooster, or early in the morning. Otherwise, when he comes suddenly, he might find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to everyone, be alert. Keep watch. Gotta be ready. Awake, awake, oh sleepers. The first point of my sermon this morning was, be ready. <coughs> And do you remember what I said? I said, if you're not washing the blood of Jesus, if you've never given your life to Christ, made him your Lord and Savior, you ain't ready. Because he could, I mean, what the scripture is saying is that at any moment, he could return. And I've said so many times over the years, Lord, when you return, may you find faith on the earth. Mm -hmm. May we be about your business. May we be making disciples. Not just playing church. Not just looking like a little Christian sitting in straight rows and pews. But may we be about your business. May we even be more alert as several people at the table are parents of um, younger generation people that are so enamored with that which they post of themselves. Like self-worship and, um, and in some cases self-denial and all, all kinds of crazy stuff that's going on on purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean these things are not without purpose. There's boardrooms setting up the massive amount of social media going on in the map, you know, up, you know, like you've mentioned 
a particularly very big company, go Google it. Yeah, I mean, maybe we're even coming to a time where we can't, I mean, we are maybe in a time where we even can't trust that fully. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. You know, so what can we trust fully? We can trust fully that goes back this here. This word. Yeah, it, I, I, I very, we read it. Those words will be given to you when you need it. You know, at the table tonight, in front of the governors, in front of the kings, you, the words will be given to us by the Holy Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. and, and how do we have the Holy Spirit of God? We say yes to Christ. Mm -hmm. And don't you know that you are the temple of God if the Spirit of God lives in you? I was talking to my 15-year-old son today, and as comforting as it is to be alert with a group of alert people, like at this table, I I am much weaker in, in my faith when it comes to speaking to the younger generation that seems so led astray. Mm -hmm. and, and is that a false prophet that I can't put a name to? Mm. I mean, there are people making decisions in these boardrooms on leading our youth astray. Right. Oh, yeah. And I can't put a name to that. Mm -hmm. That sounds like an entity that's in control of a lot of things that I can put a name to. Yeah. You know, that, that which has been given dominion over a period of time. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to think that there's been a whole generation being led astray by um, the opposition of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. That has a name. And it, and it has a dominion of fallen angels at disposal. Mm -hmm. So we need to be alert and more alert to what is being said to a generation of people around the world being said to us. You know, we're not so far from, I mean, everybody at this table has a cell phone sitting on, on the table. And, <laughs> and, you know, everybody listening to this likely, likely has some form of internet or cell phone sitting in front of them. Right. Right. <laughs> but be on your guard, be alert. That just brought up a little thought. In, in our country, in the past month, we had an entire outage of our cell phones. What exactly would we do if the internet went down for a long period of time? Well, no, my kids would do. Freak yeah, out. Yeah, well, they, yeah, absolutely. They're probably they come running as soon as it goes on. room, freaking out the room. Oh, saying, yeah. The internet's down! <laughs> they don't know what do it we, is. Do we like, not pay a bill or something? What's going on? Their here? whole life is wrapped around that. Right, I, I mean, surely... <laughs> Thousands of, of generations have existed before cell phones and computers, right? And so life happens outside of internet, um, but we currently live in a culture, in a, in a space where that's such an everyday part so of our lives. So maybe why I said that, is being so tapped in to what we have access to here at the computer, being alert, mm -hmm. or being led astray. Mm -hmm. I, I don't sure. know. Maybe something to really dig into is distractions. Yeah. Well, I, he, you mentioned it this morning in your sermon too. You know, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where do we spend the priority, the majority of our time? Where are our priorities? Is it in fellowship with God? Is it in spending time listening to His Word, reading His Word? You know, having fellowship with other other believers, is it in spending time with him, or is it just 
what do I want? What does my flesh want? YouTube yeah, scrolling through. Video so, after video. Two of you have been married for less than what? Three months. Okay, so. Oh, today's anniversary. Let's just let, let's just oh, give an example. Okay, what if this guy hadn't been here for a couple of days? He's on a business trip and he walks in and he walks right by you, walks right into the his deeper rooms in his house and he closes the door and locks it and doesn't even greet you. Hmm. How would that feel? Pretty heavy. I mean, yeah, I've done that so many times with my Lord by by going days mm -hmm. without dealing with a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are guilty of that. I mean, I'm guilty of that many times in my life. Right. And yet, what do we do with that relationship? The relationship with our Lord, our our you know, our King. The one that I would want to bow down to and just probably be in tears for all of my, you know, falling ways. Right. And yet, I'm pretty sure that that same king would grab my chin and lift it up and look in my eyes and say, you know, you're forgiven. Right. You, know, you knew that a long time ago, but I need to tell you even again. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. That's good. So, Father, forgive us for our failings in the places where we neglect that relationship and where we don't stay alert mm -hmm. and on our guard. We sleep and we slumber. The Holy Far Spirit help us, help us to, to continue to meditate Goodness. on this word day and night, right? May that be what is resounding in our spirits. Um, may that be what we think on continually. May we keep watch because we know that you are coming back. We don't know when, but we know that you're coming back. So you say to watch. Yeah. Why don't you pray for that? And we'll end the podcast yeah. on that note. Lord, thank you that you've given us your word and that it's true a hundred times out of a hundred. Thank you. That Holy Spirit, you live and dwell on the inside of us, and you have called us your temple. Forgive us for where we have fallen short and we've not cared for that temple, where we've not cultivated uh, your presence and fellowship with you. Forgive us, Lord. Wash us clean. Thank you that you are faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we ask for it. And help us in the days ahead. Even when we see these things happening, nation rising against nation and wars and rumors of wars, God, that we would keep alert, that we would be on our guard, that we would be watching, that we would be about your business, that we would be making disciples and full of faith, scanning the horizon, looking at the clouds, watching for your return. We ask all of it. Lord, whether we, we stand in front of authority fig, figures and, and governors, people who are in control, when we know not what to say, Holy Spirit, fill our mouths. When we, when we see these difficult times upon us, Lord, may we trust in you. May we not turn away, but help us always to be on our guard, watching, listening, waiting anticipating your return. God, we ask for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mike and Derek, thank you for joining us today in the podcast. Thanks for having us. Keep grinding. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to the Grind It Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.